Um, good morning, everyone. As far as I can tell, as far as I can tell over the last 2,000 years, uh, as we've looked at the different people in the Bible, not us specifically, but as people have over the last two millennia or so, I think that we have basically completely underestimated the massive impact and ministry of John the Baptist. I, I, just, I just don't think we have quite been able to connect it all together now. That makes sense because... He's followed immediately by Jesus, who is also kind of a huge deal, you know, the Son of God and Savior of the world and all that. But we, we, tend, to, we tend to greatly um, maybe not even consider the, the world, the empire impact that actually John the Baptist had. You see his followers in Ephesus uh, several decades later. John's ministry was massive. And, and John is in his 20s during his ministry. Um, he comes to this moment where he makes one of the most, most extraordinary declarations. He's looking at, at Jesus and, and he's, and, and he's talk, coming about Jesus' ministry and his own ministry. And he cannot be older than 31 at this moment. He's most likely in his late 20s, maximum 31, when he says these extraordinary words, which has just been preserved through the ages, when, when John the Baptist declares about Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. I must decrease. Now, that is an extraordinary statement for someone as successful as empire impacting as young even as as he was at that at that period of time um, we're in a series entitled make a difference learning to follow god well and today we're going to take a look at another extremely essential an absolute uh, essential when it comes to following god well if, if you don't have this if you don't grow in this if you don't cultivate this in your life you're just never going to be able to be someone who who follows god well all the days of, of your life and and what it is what we're talking about today is i'm calling mighty humility mighty Humility. Now, just in case that's confusing, I, I need to distinguish quickly between humility and being humbled. When you are humbling yourself, you are weakening yourself. When you're humbled by God, you are, you are, you are being brought down low. Humility isn't that. Humility is the ideal fruit or result in our hearts of being humbled. It's not always. In fact, sometimes it's anger, bitterness, resentment, um, giving. Uh, it, there, there's lots of possible fruit of being humbled. The ideal fruit is humility. And humility is, a, is different. This is being brought down. But humility isn't weak. It's, it's, might, it's a different kind of mighty, but it's a, it's a mightiness. Biblical humility is. So just, just to distinguish between these, these concepts, uh, concepts of biblical humidity, uh, humidity, biblical humidity is, is what it is, but humility <clears throat> is when you can't talk in front of a room full of people. No, uh, biblical humi uh, humility has nothing to do with self-doubt or, or, or doubt. It doesn't have anything to do with downplaying the, the amazing ways that God has made you each uh, and uniquely. It's hu humility humility isn't about downplaying that biblical humility that fruit of being humbled potentially 
It's mighty. And so when God says things like he, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the, the humble, and so humble yourself, lower yourself, bring under the mighty hand of God that he might lift you up in due time, what, what, what is required in that moment is there's a fortitude required. For, for this kind of humility that's incredible, a, a mightiness that's, that's required in that moment. And very few in our generation are strong in humility, are mighty in this kind of humility. So it's, biblical humility is about submitting ourselves under the mighty hand of God, submitting ourselves to God's path, God's path for our life, which sometimes is extremely unpleasant for us, Sometimes God's path is humbling, humbling, and, and it can be different than our preferred path for our own lives in any particular moment. Biblical humility is rising above uh, insults, it's rising above stings, it's rising above disappointments along God's path, so much so that we can bless and champion others who are living the path we wish we were living. It, 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 we get to that point, okay, again, you look at John the Baptist, and you look at, at him at the height of his success and influence, how he, he submits himself to God's path for him, which is to decrease, uh, while Jesus' path is to increase. Okay, so that's, that's kind of a, the brief um, theological snapshot of what we're, what we're talking about today. Again, like I said, we are in a series entitled Make a Difference, Learning to Follow God Well. And as we have been going through this series, we've been looking at three different people, very different people, in three successive gen generations, each who in their own context, in their own situations, in their own, um, own God-appointed lives and whatever, they, they learn how to follow God well or not, or they're, they're trying to make a difference in, in, their, in their way. So first we looked at a woman named Hannah, and now we're looking at a, a, a prophet, a priest, and, and at this point in our study, actually a former leader, a, a former, I mean, he's still a prophet, he's still a priest, but we're looking at this guy named Samuel, who has now kind of been rejected in his leadership, and over the next two weeks or so, we're, we're starting to pick up um, a focus on this guy named Saul, who's going to be king. Um, actually, what I'm going to do, we're in, we're in 1 Samuel 9 and 10 right now, and we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 9 and 10 over the next three weeks. Uh, today, we're going to be going over the passage um, with an attention to Samuel. So we're going to be talking about Samuel in this passage. And then next week and the week after, we're going to be looking at Saul and, and what's going on with Saul in these same two chapters. But anyways, that's kind of that's where we're, we're going. Um, but one of the essential lessons <clears throat> for following God well is, is mighty humility. And we're going to watch Samuel work this out Today, Okay, so through the eyes of Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapters 9 and 10, the basic story is, the basic story is that the nation rejected Samuel and his leadership and they want a king instead. Samuel is upset about that and although he has another 35 years of, of ministry left or so, uh, he's being rejected and it's a, it's a major, major rejection. So chapter 9 begins with an introduction to, to, to this guy named Saul. And, and, and chapter 9 begins like this. There was an influential man of Benjamin named Kish. Kish. That's a cool name. Uh, Kish, son of 
Abiel, not quite as cool, but still, if it's, if, that's fine. Uh, son of Zeror, if you put a Z in the name, it's always cool. Son of um, Bekorath, I should probably have pronounced these out loud before reading them in front of you all. Son of Ephiah, son, son of a Benjamite, I can do that word, okay, a Benjamite. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man. There was no one more impressive among the Israelites than he. He stood a head taller than anyone else. Okay, so then that's how the chapter begins. And then we start reading his Saul story, which we're going to focus on more, more next week. And we're going to learn about how um, Saul's father loses his, his donkeys. And then um, Saul is on this big hunt for his father's donkeys and they get to this point where uh, they they can't find them and they decide to ask the seer this guy that they know about who ends up being Samuel what happened to the wandering donkeys so um, they get to this city where Samuel is and then this is where we pick up in verse 15 of first Samuel chapter 9 now the day before Saul's arrival The Lord had informed Samuel, At this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will save them from the hand of the Philistines, because I have seen the affliction of my people, for their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man I told you about. He will rule over my people. Okay, so we're talking about mighty humility, and the first, the first observation about mighty humility is this. Mighty humility is required for following all of God's instructions. Mighty humility is required for following all of God's instructions. <clears throat> when God asks you to do things sometimes, it can be just humbling, like if, if God's like, you need to ask forgiveness from that person. Oh, I don't want to do that. I want to just let it go. Let's just move forward. Let's not, no, and God's like, no, I, I want you to humble yourself before that person and ask forgiveness. Uh, I want you to admit that they were right and you were wrong. I, I don't, I don't like, got another plan up there, God? I'm not sure I like that. Sometimes what things God asks us to do are, are humbling. And you think about Samuel here, though. What reason in that passage did God give Samuel for his purpose of choosing Saul? It said, to save them from the hand of the Philistines. He's my chosen one to save them. Okay, Samuel has already been victorious in that. He, he did that in chapter 7. In chapter 7, Samuel led the nation in a revival which led to this Philistine rout. God thundered, and, and, the, and the Philistines were confused. Under Samuel's leadership, Samuel has proven himself able to, to lead the nation in victory over the Philistines. Samuel, I want you to anoint this guy, Saul, here, because he will save them from the Philistines. Ah, ouch, okay. Now, also remember that, that Samuel was hurt. He's also dealing with hurt and rejection because the nation uh, wanted a king instead of him. 
And now God is asking him to anoint this other person, his replacement, because of his rejection. God, God's, God's asking him to, see, this guy, this guy is the one that, that is going to replace you even though you still have 35 years left. It's just these kind of, these kind of stings. And, and this new guy, this new guy that he's going to anoint, he doesn't even know how to hear from God yet, right? It's one of like, why, why this guy? In fact, this guy can't even find his father's donkeys. Uh, how is he supposed to lead this nation? This is pathetic. And Samuel could be feeling like this. And he could be feeling like, I'm being replaced by that guy? That guy from the tribe of Benjamin, the weakest tribe? I'm from, the, I'm from God's tribe. I'm from the tribe of, of Levi. I'm a prophet. I'm a priest. And this guy's like barely a donkey detective, I guess. I, I don't even, I don't know. God, for so many reasons, anointing this guy, just to anoint anybody is, is a big ask. But this is, this is humbling. Again, with, with 35 years left, John, uh, Samuel has to pull a John the Baptist. He has to pull a John the Baptist with his life, with a long time left, where he has to anoint this guy who must increase and how Samuel must decrease. W way too early. Now, that is a heart check for anyone. That's a heart check for anyone to, to go through hurt and to go through rejection and then, and then have to submit to that and, and decrease while you put forward the person who is symbolizing that rejection. I, I wish... I wish the path of following God was like, okay, so it gets better, and then uh, we're faithful, and then it gets better, and then it's faithful, and then it gets better, and then it gets more, and it gets more, and it gets more. I, I wish that was how it worked, following, following God. Uh, no back steps, actually. I, I don't like any back steps ever. I don't like that at all. But that's just not how, how it works. Very often, God asks us to, to take back steps. Uh, fiscal, financial backsteps or professional backsteps. I guess the question that hangs over this bit is do we have the mighty humility to courageously follow the instructions of God when they point down and not up? Or when they're lifting others up when it, when, even when we're feeling hurt and stung and we have to submit to the mighty hand and direction of God for now. It takes a mighty humility. But there's more to this, and, and it'll come more clear as we keep reading. So that was in verse 17. Here's the man I told you about. Then verse 18, we read this. Saul approached Samuel in the gate area and asked, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? Uh, I am the seer, Samuel answered. Go up ahead of me to the high place and eat with me today. When I send you off in the morning, I'll tell you everything that's in your heart. As for the donkeys that wandered away from you three days ago, don't worry about them because they've been found. And who does all Israel desire but you and all your father's family? Saul responded, Am I not a Benjamite from the smallest of Israel's tribes? And isn't my clan the least important of all the clans of the Benjamite tribe? So why have you said something like this to me? 
Samuel took Saul and his attendant, brought them to the banquet hall, and gave them a place at the head of the 30 or so men who had been invited. Then Samuel said to the cook, get the portion of meat that I gave you and told you to set aside. The cook picked up the high, the thigh and what was attached to it and set it before Saul. Then Samuel said, notice that the reserved piece is set before you. Eat it because it was saved for you for this solemn event at the time I said, I've invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Okay. <clears throat> this is mighty humility. And, and, and I wanted the word mighty in this definition of, of humility to keep driving home that humility isn't just about enduring down steps. Humility isn't just about like, okay, God's leading me in a path that I don't want to go on. It's not just about enduring when God's paths are different, but it's about embracing God's path. Not just tolerating it, but going for it. But for, for, for rising above our disappointments, for rising above our stings, and to be about all in fully Fully embracing God's plan for us, even if it's a long ways away from, from our plans. Mighty humility, number two, is required for honoring people connected to God's humbling plan. Samuel honors and continues to honor Saul. He won't honor the people. He, he won't honor them, but he chooses to honor Saul. And this is one of the huge reasons why Samuel keeps to, why he gets to keep going, making impact for the next 35 years. Because he doesn't get bitter at God, he doesn't get angry at the course that his life, he's not, he's, he's embracing it, he's embracing what's happening, even if it's not his ideal. And you just can't follow God well all the days of your life. If you're not going to be as all in for his plan for your life when it's going great, or when it's going poorly. You've got to be all committed to God's plan, submitting yourselves to the mighty hand of God, no matter which direction it's going in order to really follow God well. It doesn't just mean suffer through God's path, but run that path with, with, with all your heart, with your greatest effort. Samuel is replacing himself here, and yet he honors Saul, that, that very person who's at the heart of God's humbling plan for him. He, he honors him with food, and all he has to do is anoint him. But instead, he, he, he does this feast, and, and he gives them honor in front of all these people. Now, this takes a mighty humility. Do you have what it takes to, to honor people well when God is rising them up for the roles that you had hoped for yourself? Well, there's more to say on that, and, and our story continues for a bit. Samuel anoints Saul with oil, and then it becomes more focused on Samuel telling Saul what's going to happen to him to prove that he's the one that God's chosen as king. There's going to be three signs, and we'll, we'll look at that um, in, in the next week or two. But after hearing about the three signs, we're down in chapter 10 now, we get to verse 7. And in verse 7, 
we, we read this. It says, when the, Samuel's talking to Saul, when these signs have happened to you, do whatever your circumstances require because God is with you. Afterward, go ahead of me to Gilgal. I will come to you and offer burnt offerings and, sacrifice, and to sacrifice fellowship offerings. Wait seven days until I come to you and show you what to do. Wait seven days until I come to you and show you what to do. This might be a little bit more of a specific version of our, of our last point, but number three, mighty humility is required for helping your unwanted replacement succeed. Sam is going to meet with Saul, and he's going to come and show him what to do. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> before moving to Scotland, um, I... I wasn't born here. Uh, sorry if that wasn't clear. Surprise! Surprise! My thick West of Scotland accent, I've hit it well. Anyway, so before moving to, to Scotland, I worked at this church in Seattle. And one of the two things that I did at that church is I, I worked to restart a young adults ministry, 18 to 24-year-olds. To and um, in 18 months, we took it from six people to over 100 people. And... I guess if you want to know the secret to young adult ministry, um, besides praying hard and teaching the Bible and great worship, it's free pizza. That's, that, was, that was right at the, the heart of the secret to success. Uh, this is totally off topic. I was, I was given a, a $10,000 budget for this, for this uh, young adult ministry. If you're doing young adult ministry here, not a chance. Uh, <laughs> And so I spent 5000 on on hiring this band and 5000 on free pizza. It drove the leaders of the church crazy, but it worked. Uh, and back to, this, back to the preaching. So, um, when, when, uh, where am I in the notes? I'm here. I'm praying. Free pizza. I oh, got it. So, um, to me, when, looking at that time in my life, you know, I'm 24, 25, 26. I, I'm in that, that zone. And, and I, th I thought of that as, it, and it was a very confirming ministry time in my life to, to see, okay, great, God is using me. Um, I'm able to practice teaching. I'm able to practice leadership. And, and God is with me. And, he, and okay, he really has. I'm not making this up. He's gifted me uh, to, to be able to, to, to lead people and, and to, to make progress. And then when it was kind of, when the time had come to, to move to Scotland, and I, got, I was part of, of being able to meet my replacement. And to see the guy who has chosen to follow me in this young adult's ministry. And uh, shortly after he took over, uh, I was able to check back in and just kind of see what was going on. And the ministry had dropped from over 100 to about 35. About 35 people, and it kind of stayed there for, for years. Now, in my youth, uh, I thought of it as a double confirmation. That, that's, that's what I thought of it at the time. Uh, in my okay, I'm gonna say in my youth, but really it was in my my pride my and this is bad pride bad pride In my bad pride. I thought of it as a double confirmation like okay, this just confirms That that God's hand is with me and and that uh, You know, I've got this, you know, I'm teaching and I'm leading and and when I lead it goes up and when other people lead, it goes down You know, that's God's with me Tick. Okay, great. So I'm, I'm not thinking of it. I, well, okay, I am kind of thinking of it that way, right? 
And you might say, like, okay, that's fine. I see that, Brian. There's some confirmation. God, God confirms things. But, but I know my own heart, and it wasn't, it wasn't all, all good and wonderful that way. I thought I was winning. And this is, this is the trickiest thing about, about talking about humility, because we all think we have it. I think I thought I had it. I think I have it now. <laughs> uh, but I thought I, I thought I had it, and I thought that this was all about God's confirming future for my for my life. But I wasn't grieving like a true, humbled person. Somebody with humility would be grieving over it. And and did I call up this guy? His name was Josh. Did I call up Josh and say, Josh, Josh? Here, here's what worked for me. And here's the church dynamics that I had to kind of struggle against. Here's what kind of irritated them. But, but if you push against this, it, it, it's, it's, it's what I was doing. And, 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 it, and it could help you. It could, this could serve you well. If you kind of just keep following this, you can do whatever you want. But did I set up that time to intentionally meet with this guy named Josh to help him succeed after me? No. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. I, I didn't do that. I didn't. I didn't do that. Uh, and I, I was just in this mindset. Hey, twenty-six-year-old Brian. Uh, it was about. It was about shining in those ministry skills, but I was failing in the humility skills. The more important ones. Um, the more important ones. I, I didn't have the humility to help my success su- successor succeed. Um, now. Praise God that he's taken me through several years, decades of humbling here in Scotland. I think I've got a long ways to go. I'm praying for a, a, a break in the, in the process of, of being humbled and all that sort of stuff. But, but what I'm saying is, is that it's so easy at any moment of our life to think, you know, I'm doing okay in the area of humility. And, and, and you're like, okay, it's not a big deal. That's not one of the things that I'm, I'm struggling right, right with right now. I, I have enough. But then the question for myself is, do I? And for us is, is do I? And then the real, the real challenge is, is, is showing and modeling humility when you're insulted. <clears throat> it, it's modeling humility when there's rejection going on. You know, are you still humble then? Are you still wanting the best for, for people then? That, <clears throat> this is not true, but had it been, what if... <clears throat> okay, I think I'm good. So what if I'd been unfairly fired? I know. <laughs> Let's say I'd been unfairly fired. <clears throat> I think I need some water, Peter. Can you help me? I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm I'm dying. Um, so let's say I'd been unfairly fired, and, and then they brought in this guy. And let's say he's younger, which he was, and better looking, which he probably was, and, and, and all this amazing thing, and, and all that kind of stuff. If, if they bring in this guy after being unfairly fired, thank you, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Would I have then gone and been like, let me help you succeed? That's the humility check. When you're feeling rejected, when you're feeling unfairly treated, when you're feeling wronged, and yet you still go to the other person to help them succeed. Can you, can you feel that challenge, that heart challenge? I, I hope you can, because that's what Samuel's going through here. 
And then, so this, this happens, and then after that, we keep reading down in verse 9. So when Saul turned around to leave Samuel, God changed his heart. And all the signs came about that day. When Saul and his attendants arrived at Gibeah, a group of prophets met him. Then the Spirit of God took control of him, and he prophesied along with them. Everyone who knew him previously and saw him prophesy with the prophets asked each other, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Say, point number four is this. Mighty humility is required for rejecting potential insecurities. And you're like, whoa, whoa, where did this come from, Brian? Re rejecting potential insecurities. Now, all of the sudden, Saul is being considered a prophet. By, by, it's like, wait, is this guy a prophet now? And, and Samuel's like, that's my main gig. That's my thing that I've had all my life. I, I, I've been a leader, and now, now this guy, Saul, is a leader. I, I've been the prophet, and now people are looking to, to Saul. as Is he now a prophet? Oh, oh man, everything is kind of being taken away. This, 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 this upstart becomes known for the thing that's my thing, that I'm, I'm better at, that I'm, I'm more experienced about. And everybody's looking to this guy now. There are other pithy insecurities that I don't think Samuel has at all, uh, but might impact some of us. I, I, I read them at the beginning, and that's why I read the first three verses of chapter 9, just at the very, very beginning, where, it talked, uh, where, where Saul was described as an impressive young man. As an impressive young man. There was no one more impressive among the Israelites than he. Now, what is that impressiveness? I, I don't know. Um, Probably appearance-wise, because it's describing his appearance. For some people, appearance insecurities are a huge deal. And that, oh man, that person is more beautiful than I am, or they're more impressive looking than I am. I... Or maybe that person is more competent than I am. Or they're, more, they're just more impressive in their competence that way. And, and that can push your buttons. Treating someone poorly or being upset about things because we're insecure about how impressive they are in one way or another, that's, that's not okay. Mighty humility rises above those insecurities. It rises above the insecurities to bless those who God, has, who God is rising up. Samuel doesn't seem phased by those potential insecurities, but I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd mention it, knowing that we might not all be as amazing as, as Samuel. But, but the, this idea of, of his thing being taken over, the prophetic thing, and just Saul just being more impressive than he is, much more impressive. Uh, but finally, we skip down to verse 17, looking at mighty humility, and it's, we read this, and this, is, this, one, this one worries me. In verse 17, we read, Samuel summoned the people uh, to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the Israelites, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel out of Egypt, and I rescued you from the power of the Egyptians and all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your troubles and afflictions. You said to him, you must set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. And, and we're going to see what happens there and, and how um, Saul is chosen in that moment. But there's, a, there's, a, there's something that 
we see flavors of throughout this whole story. And really, we saw it in chapter 8. We'll see it in chapter 9. And you see flavors. I'm going I'm to say the point, and then I'll, I'll explain what I'm saying. Mighty humility is required for following God, for following when God seems confusing. Mighty humility is required for following when God seems confusing. Again, I see this all over the Bible. I find it troubling. I find it, I find it complicated. I find it, I find it a little bit unnerving. So God is giving them a king. He's, he's answering their request. God is saying, you want a king? Okay, I'm going to pick this guy. He's gonna, I'm going to help this guy even. I'm going to help him. I'm going to help the king that you've chosen. And, and here he is, and you've asked for it. I'm giving you what you asked for. But God's also going to be angry at the people for this moment at the same time. He's giving them what he asked, but he's angry. And not only that, in chapter 12, God's going to destroy their wheat harvest because they've asked for this king. And, and, and I, I get this, I, like, okay, wait, God, I, are there prayer requests that I'm praying that you might answer, but then you're going to be angry at me for asking, even though you're going to answer and say yes to them? Man, it messes with my head, and there's other stories that mess with my head along the same lines, like the quail thing, the quail thing in, 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 in the Exodus. It, it drives me insane. The people are, are asking God for, for meat to eat. Okay, asking God, they're whining and complaining, and, and okay, it's not quite as generic as that, but they're, they're requesting meat, and God does such a massive answer to that prayer that Moses even struggles believing that this is possible. I mean, the Red Sea thing, sure. But that meat for a month for everybody, you, you can look at it. Moses is like, he has his doubts at that moment, at that moment. And sure enough, God provides all this quail. He, he does this epic prayer answer thing, an unbelievable answer to their prayer for meat. But while the meat is still in their mouth, he gets angry and thousands die. He said yes. He hears them. They ask, and then, then he gets angry, and, and thousands die. Okay. Uh, another one that, that is really confusing in my Bible read-through, I, I was um, in Numbers chapter 22, 20, 22, and actually I was in all of Numbers, so I was in, in the book. And, and I'm reading along, and there's this guy named, uh, we call him Balaam. It's probably more like Balaam. But Balaam. And, and God says to Balaam, this is the second time. Balaam's like, I'm not going to go unless God... Let's me go. The second time these people come, God says to Balaam, get up and go with them. God's direct words to Balaam, get up and go with them. Two verses later, it says God was incensed that Balaam was going. And the angel of the Lord took his stand on the path to oppose him. Then there's this like donkey bit, angry talking, flying, donkey, not flying. And then finally, Balaam sees the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord says to him, verse 32, I came out to oppose you because what you are doing is evil in my sight. I was like, what? what? You said go. God, you said go. In fact, I proved to you the first time that I wasn't going to go unless you said I could go. And then the second time, you actually said go, and then you're angry, and you think that this is, this is evil. I find this confusing and extremely impacting my prayers these days. Praying, uh, praying with, with a mighty 
humility, a mighty humility. And so I'll be like, God, I'm asking these things. I mean, I'm telling you, my prayers are full, filled with the phrase, please don't do the quail thing to me. Okay, okay I'm not interested in the quail thing. I, I, God, it is hard enough to follow you. I only want to do what you want done. I'm asking this stuff, but, but don't, don't be angry with me. I'm, I want to be working with you. I want what you want. Uh, I'm asking for this, but, but there's just something complicated when it comes to God who loves us and who does listen to our prayers and who does um, do above or beyond what we can ask or imagine, sometimes even to his own irritation. He's like, I'm answering this prayer with an extraordinary miracle that nobody would believe, but still, I'm kind of irritated. I suggest a bold praying combined with a mighty humble praying. Don't, don't back off on your prayer requests. Don't, don't back off for asking for huge things for God. But, you know, for me, I'm very much guided by that. Okay, God, I, 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 there's some complicated prayer answer things here in the Bible. And, and, and with Samuel, you give them a king, and yet you're going to destroy the wheat harvest. I'm not looking for those kind of answered prayers for my life. I, I, I'm, I'm, I want to bring this prayer request, and it means so much to me. But, but God, I, only, I don't want you to be angry at me. I don't want you to, to, to give me this and then turn. I want your ways. I want your ways. This is my request, but don't, but don't, but don't turn. And I, I find prayer just so humbling because God is so loving and amazing. Like, you can't, it seems like he answers more prayers than he wants to even. In, in some of these ways, some big prayers, and it, make it makes him irritated. Now, I'm, I'm not saying don't pray big prayers. I'm praying, I'm saying pray huge, pray huge, pray huge, pray huge. I suggest throwing in maybe an occasional caveat, but not the quail thing, right? Not the quail thing. Uh, anyways, uh, mighty humility in, in bold, bold prayer requests. It's humbling to follow God. It's humbling. It's humbling to, 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 to walk this path. It takes real humility to walk in his ways. But I want to remind you that just humbling ourselves doesn't mean we've grown in humility. We want to humble ourselves with the result being we grow in humility. But they're different. And today is not about humbling as much as it is humility. And how are we doing in those heart check things. Because if we want to make a difference, if we want to follow God well, in all of us in the area of humility. Humility. And so I've got... One is I want you to identify an area in your life where you have an opportunity to grow in mighty humility. Two, um, Google, Google, it's, it's, it's on the internet, it's this new thing. Uh, Google the phrase, best verses about humility. Just, just Google that, okay? Click on a link or two, read a few verses, just refresh yourself. Uh, see, see God's articulation of, of the great importance of humility. And number three, have you experienced being humbled by God? 
I want you to write a thank you letter for that priceless lesson, and let's see if we can convert that humbling into humility by thankfulness. By thankfulness. <clears throat> One of my favorite verses about this topic is in Micah. Very famous, very famous passage. And, and it says like, you know, hey, people, God, uh, mankind, mankind, God has shown you what is good and what he requires of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. I know, I know, I know that, that God is stirring up a new generation of people who are going to be 